What a blessing to be able to thank God in his son, Jesus Christ. That's Because that's where the thanks begins. That's, that's the foundation of the thanks. And I, it's been such a blessing for me this morning, even before getting here, just, uh, just driving in. And I don't know why he flooded me with, uh, with thoughts of blessing. You know, I guess because of this whole week, the Thanksgiving celebration um, and uh, having an opportunity to spend some time with family. To hear my dad, uh, who, when Sherry at our Thanksgiving celebrations, um, makes everybody say something they're thankful for. And uh, she didn't have to, you know, coax them too hard. But my dad, who was with us, uh, who, may, who many of you have met, 85 years old, and uh, as he was thanking God for his family and, and how he, the older he gets, the more thankful he is for his family. And then the second round that we had, um, he said, I'm also thankful that I know where I'm going. I praise God for that. I praise God for his testimony, you know, before all of us, that he knows where he's going. But, but I'm thankful for his confidence in knowing where he's going. And it's not because he's so good. It's not because he's led such a great 85 years, although I think they're some of the best 85 I you know, can imagine. But that's not the, the, the foundation of his thanks. The foundation of his thanks is in Jesus Christ. So I praise God for that. I was thanking God for my kids. And then this morning, get this, this blessing of, of having Sam and Fernanda um, read the, the, or, or lead us in the Advent um, candle lighting and, and worship. And, and I was just thinking, and it's a special day for me too on, on that regard, because um, Carol is the, is the interpreter this morning, um, as opposed to Joy, our new normal interpreter. Um, Carol's filling in today, and Carol was Sam's teacher in school for over 10 years. And, and so it's, it's hard to put into words the miracle of what he did this morning. And every day for 10 years, she got up to go teach him that stuff, how to do that. It, 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 it was revealed to me what a miracle it is the day when I took him back to his audiologist um, 10 years after his surgery uh, for, to have his cochlear implant. And um, she, she was the one who, who convinced the surgeon to go ahead and do the surgery, even though he didn't think Sam would ever be able to speak. He said he's too old. He won't be able to learn those new sounds. And, and the audiologist said, no, I think, I think he can do it. I think he's going to have the right support. She didn't know you. She didn't know Carol. But she, she heard us describe you and, 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 and these things. And, and so she convinced the surgeon to do the surgery. So 10 years later, he's in the, uh, in the room uh, just having a conversation with the, with the audiologist. She has a screen up over her face so that he can't read her lips. So he's completely depending on what she says. And then his response, and I was sitting off to the side. I had nothing to do with it. I'm just watching. And as they're doing this, she starts crying during this conversation. So she puts him in the soundproof room that, where he had some other things he had to do, some other tests and stuff he had to do. And she, she said, I knew that he was going to do great. But she said, never in a million years did I ever think that I would have a conversation with him like this. She said, he is speaking with 
speech tones, not deaf tones. And that's impossible. She'd never seen anything like it. And so, for me, remembering the work that he did, that she did, that we did, that we did, I just praise God for his faithfulness. And so, as you're, as you're raising your kids' parents and grandkids' grandparents and get discouraged at times because it's hard, because you don't think it's what you're, what you're trying to do is working or whatever the case may be, just remember Carol getting up every morning and going to work. George, thanks for Senator. Just, just, just keep going. Keep working. Keep praying. Keep believing. And, and remember the grace of God in your lives, in your kids' lives. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning as, as the Apostle Paul finishes this second letter to the Thessalonians. So turn there with me, if you would, as we focus for a few minutes on the grace of God. Paul usually starts his letters with statements of grace and peace, and he usually finishes his letters with statements of of grace and peace. And he does so because those are so foundational in our relationship with Christ. He doesn't do it just as a perfunctory greeting and a perfunctory, you know, goodbye. He he says it with meat, with meaning, with value, with importance. And so 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting with verse 16. We focused on this first part last week. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I repeat that one. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now, before mentioning the grace, let's remember the source of this letter. I'm so glad the Apostle Paul put things like this in his letters from time to time. He had a distinguishing uh, handwriting. In Galatians, he makes mention of the largeness of his letters. You know, kind of like the largeness of the letters in my, in my giant print Bible, um, which, uh, which I inherited, which I gave to my grandfather and then inherited it when he went to be with the Lord. Um, it's not even large enough. Every, every once in a while I have to revert to, to these glasses when the lights aren't on bright enough. Um, it's all about the lights. It's not, it has nothing to do with my eyes. Um, he, he apparently had, had a, an issue with his eyes. And, uh, and so, as a result, wrote big. And so, even if he didn't write the entire letter by his own hand, he had, had a scribe writing for him, a friend or a colleague writing for him, often, if not always, he would always put something in there in his own hand. So they, that was a distinguishing mark. That was proof that this came from Paul. And I want you to realize and remember, that's important. That's important. 
He knew that was important. Any old Christian guy in the, in the churches of that day couldn't write this letter that he was writing. Or they could write letters, and, and, and they did. But the fact this was coming from Paul was important because Paul was one of the apostles. Paul was one that was included, even though he wasn't in the room when Jesus said it in John 14. He was included when Jesus said that the, that the Holy Spirit was going to remind them, the apostles, of everything that he had told them. And the importance of that is that the apostles were going to be responsible not only for speaking audibly the word of God, but also writing it down, the the things that Jesus taught them, so that the churches of that day and churches then from generation after generation, which we're a part of now, reading these same letters from the same authors, And so it was critical for Paul to remind them, hey, this is important stuff. I'm not just an ordinary man. And remember, this wasn't Paul's idea to be this kind of man. The Lord Jesus called him to be his apostle. The Lord Jesus did the work in his life and said, you're going to be my apostle. You're going to be a light to the Gentiles. That was Jesus calling in his life. It wasn't his idea, but it was important for them to see this is coming from me, the apostle that was chosen by Jesus himself to bring this word to you. And remember, the Apostle Paul, even though he wasn't one of Jesus' original 12 apostles, he spent time personally with the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. Even after his ascension, the Lord Jesus personally spent time with the Apostle Paul, sharing with him the things that uh, that he wanted to be the foundation of this ministry, of, of, of starting these churches all around the world to reach people of every language group, of every people group, of every tribe and nation, to reach them all for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was critical, and I'm so thankful that Paul establishes that again in this letter. Remember, this is really me talking to you, so this is important. Pay attention to it. This is the word of the Lord. And that's how we treat it, as we submit our lives to it. And so as we look at this last statement, this last subject that he brings up to them, let's remember who this is coming from. This is coming from Jesus through the Apostle Paul. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That's Christmas, folks. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That is is what this is all about. Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that grace? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the same grace that he's referring to here in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. Here's a description of it. That though he was rich. You remember that about him? Eternally in glory. At one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The the triune God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Eternally in glory. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes 
he became poor. You remember how poor? Starts with his birth. I mean, it's, it's such a sentimental story for us, and, and the manger scenes are so pretty. We don't think of, of it as being as tragic as it really was. How many of you would have liked to have had your child or children in a barn, an active barn, not a rebuilt? I mean, these days people say, oh, yeah, that'd be so cool. Barns are great. That's where we do weddings. That's where we do parties. You know, barns are the place. Now, this is the thing. No, I'm talking about a real barn. I'm not talking about one with clean straw. I'm talking about one that had straw in there for a reason. How would you like to have your baby? Men, how would you like to take your pregnant wife into that place to check her in for labor and delivery? He was poor. He started out poor. He, He did not live a rich life. At one point in his ministry, he said, foxes have holes, birds have their nests. He said, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I, he, he, was, he didn't have a certain place that he would call home. Oh, he'd go back to his hometown sometimes, but he didn't have, a, he didn't have home. And the, and the ultimate picture of his poverty is the way he died. Stripped of even the clothes on his back. And hung on that cross. He became poor. And, and, and I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it. For your sakes. For your sakes, he became poor. Why? So that through his poverty, you might become rich. Whoa, now, think about that. See, that's grace. This, this is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Thessalonians and to us. This grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, be with you. Be in you. Be in your head. Be in your heart. Be in your life. Be in your family. Be in your conversation. As I mentioned my dad, I'm so thankful I know where I'm going. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. How does a man like him know where he's going? Because he knows that Jesus, though he was rich, yet for his sake became poor so that he, through Jesus' poverty, might become rich. That's that's how we know. Because this is a a gift from God. That's what grace is. That that word can be interchangeably translated as gift. Grace and gift, it's something that somebody else buys for the recipient who doesn't have to pay for it. No payback. Now, I know all of us have different experiences when it comes to parents and family and gifts and those kind of things, but I've, I've never yet heard of a family celebrating Christmas around a Christmas tree, whether it's Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, Christmas night, Christmas afternoon, whenever you do it, I've never once yet heard of a dad at Christmas who sat there as the kids opened their presents and said, now that was 1995, and I'd like you to pay me at least by March. I still haven't heard that one yet. Now, again, forgive me if that's your experience, and I'm sorry for you, okay? Okay. I know there's some crazy dads out there. 
That's not what we do. Because it's gifts. It's gifts. Yeah, it costs nineteen ninety five or more. But because it's a gift, it's paid for by the parent, the grandparent, the whoever. But it's given freely to the recipient. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of our lives. The Apostle Paul wanted to, to leave them with this thought. Remember your foundation. Remember the importance of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. May it be with you. Oh, if you're in him, it's with you. It's, it's what you're counting on. It's what you're hoping for. But the problem is often we forget about that. The, the, the things of life cloud our minds. Or we get caught up in, 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 in trying to, to serve God in such a way as to please him and, and try to earn his favor. And remember, that's the opposite of grace. Grace is, is undeserved favor or merit that he gives us. It's a gift from him. And I like the, I like the picture of Christmas when we think about grace as well. You know, think about that, the, the, the presence under the tree. And maybe you were this kid at one time in your life. You were having a bad day on Christmas, and you weren't playing. And even though that, that present was there under the tree for you, because of whatever your mom or dad did to upset you, you weren't, gonna, you weren't participating. You weren't going to give them the satisfaction of seeing you open that present. Now, hopefully none of you are like that. But when I cross my arms like this, some of you remember, yeah, I've done that before. I remember moments like that. Or you had a brother or sister that was like that. And who loses? Oh, sure, it's, it's upsetting for the parents to not have their kid open the present. But the real loss is the child. And usually before the night's over, they're going to open that present. It's not going to stay there that long. But think of the tragedy of while of, of two weeks later when the Christmas tree is being put away or thrown out or put back in the attic or whatever the case might be, and there's still that gift under there. A gift that was purchased but was not received. That's a tragic thought. It's a sad story for a kid in Christmas, but it's a tragic thought when we think about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that's purchased, that's offered, but not received. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, if you turn there for just a moment, there's a couple of critical verses that describe grace in relation to our salvation that I want to, uh, want to refer to this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, starting with verse 8. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace, this gift, you have been saved through faith. Through faith, that means to believe. That's how the gift is received. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. 
Remember that. As we, as we think about the foundation of grace in our lives, remember, it's not from us. It's from him. We are the recipients. We're the receivers. We're not the producers. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. That's why the, the Apostle Paul would say things like, I don't boast in anything except for the cross. I boast about that. I'm proud of that. Because when I see the cross, when I think of the work of Christ on the cross, I recognize that what I have in a relationship with God, what I have in hope for eternal life, that comes from him. And I'm proud of that. I'll boast about that. I'll be excited. I'll, I'll tell anybody that I know where I'm going when I die. Not because I'm good. Because I'm proud of what God has done for me in Jesus Christ on that cross and through his resurrection. That is what salvation is about. Not of works. Not something that I earned. Not something that I did. It's through faith. It means it's my believing. That's what the Apostle John was talking about in John 1.12. When he was describing Israel and the fact that Jesus came as they were waiting, some of them particularly were waiting, 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 and now he comes and it says, yet he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, because some did, to those who did receive him, remember, he's the gift, needs to be received. To those who did receive him, to those who believed on his name, that's how we receive him, by believing on his name. To those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now that is something to be proud of. What did you have to do with it? Nothing. Except you heard the word. You heard the work. You might have read about it. You might have heard about it from your parents. You might have heard about it from a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, a friend at school. You heard the word and you believed. He said, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I don't deserve a relationship with God, but because of what Jesus did for me, as you've described it or as it's put into the word of God, I believe that. And at that moment, we received him. At that moment, we took the present. At that moment, we recognized the present was for us, bought by God for us, and that we received it. And that we opened it and we now enjoy it. Because there's great joy in this truth. There's great joy in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Great joy. Because what are you going to do to me now? You can't do it. I mean, oh yeah, you can hurt me. You can make me sad for, for a little bit. But all I need is enough time to regroup is to think, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. What has Almighty God, what has the creator of the universe done for me? Oh, he's loved me and demonstrated his love for me in this, that while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. There's a grace. I'm going to heaven. Nobody can take that away from me, no matter how bad they hurt me, no matter what difficulty I might face. Nothing, nobody can take that away from me. There's great joy. There's great peace, as we talked about last week, in this grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. May that grace be with you. Romans 6.23, we'll finish with this thought. Go ahead and turn to it. Romans 
Another statement of the Apostle Paul about this grace. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's a sobering thought. It should be sobering for every one of us. The wages of sin is death. If you sin, you're getting paid. Who sinned? Here we are. The same letter, the Apostle Paul said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You sin, you get paid. Death. Physical death is a result of sin. Adam and Eve sinned, death entered the world. Because of this statement, because of this truth. You sin, you die. That's the facts. But the gift of God, there's grace. There's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. We, you can try and try and try to do enough good things to... to Try to persuade God not to pay you death for your sins. But the fact is, you sin, you die. The only hope that anyone has ever had to not die is to not sin. And so Jesus, the one who never sinned, died so that all of us who believe in him won't die, even though we sinned. And we deserve the death that he died. And more, we deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. We deserve the hell that is prepared for Satan and his angels. We deserve that because of our rebellion, like Satan's. We deserve it. But we don't have to go there. We don't have to experience that. We don't have to be separated from God because Jesus took upon himself our sins because he didn't sin. This is grace, folks. This is our lives. This is what the Apostle Paul was, was helping the, children, the, the people of Thessalonica to understand. This is the grace that he wanted to be with all of them. All of them. This is the grace that, they, that he wanted to be the foundation of their lives that they would operate by this grace. This grace that that is life-giving, that is forgiving, that is hopeful. That's That's what grace does in our lives. When we recognize it, when we recognize that, that his grace is in us and it's in our minds and it's in our hearts and it's in our lives, it's in our families, it's in our church. We didn't deserve this but we received it by faith, by by what he said. It's ours. And so we can be confident because we believe in Jesus, not because we did good things, not because we come to church, not because we teach Sunday school or, or bring our children or whatever the case might be. 
Not because we serve on a team. We are confident because of what Jesus did for us. And he's the one who prepared the gift. He's the one who said, come to me and I'll give you rest. And so, is this the foundation for you? Is grace the foundation? Are you still working? Are you still trying to do it yourself? Are you still trying to add to what Christ has done for you? Stop. Trust him. He did this for you. He loves you. He wants you with him for all eternity to experience the life that you were born for. A life apart from this sinful world that we live in and all the difficulties that we face because of it. He wants you to experience life with him in his glory where this sinfulness is gone. That's his plan for us. That's his promise for us in Jesus because of Jesus' grace. He did this. He gives this. He bought this for us. And so we should live and serve and love and forgive with great boldness and great confidence because he did this. This is his gift to us. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the way you did all this. We would have never come up with this idea. In a million years, none of us, all of us together, we wouldn't have come up with this plan. It's an only you plan. Only you could have done it. And we thank you for your faithfulness to it. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for following through, through poverty, difficulty, agony. We thank you for following through with the plan and offering to us this great gift, eternal life through you, through your work. And all we do is believe. Oh, we know and we thank you that you empower us after that. That you continue to change our minds and and our will to, to live life for your glory. But we thank you that it starts and it finishes with your work and our trust in you. There are some here this morning, maybe some someone online with us this morning who still haven't put their trust in you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would let them know by the power of your Holy Spirit, by your convicting power, that no matter what sins they've committed and what they think is too big for you to forgive, help them to know that it's not. That you died for all of their sins and everybody. So that any of us who believe in you would be forgiven, would be saved, would be given this gift of eternal life. Help them to get over that hump somehow.
by your grace. Because again, this is your gift to us. And we thank you for that. And we pray that it would truly be the foundation of our lives, of, our, of, of every aspect of our lives, of our work, of our parenting, of our being children, of our grandparenting, of our friendships, that it would be the theme of our conversations. Because we are so thankful that you've given us this great gift. In Jesus' name, amen.